You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the DCAU Review. We are in episode 6 of the DCAU Review. Thank you for joining us. Uh, If you've been listening thus far with us, we appreciate you sticking around and giving us a listen. I am your host, Cal Renner, and alongside me, as always, my brother, co-host, good friend, Liam Renner. Liam, welcome to episode six of the DCAU Review. we got a stacked show today. We're, we're reviewing two in one episode. Supersize in it. A supersize episode. So depending on how much we have to say, it might still be the length of a regular episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got we got two shows to talk about. Two very different, uh, and yet there, there's some parallels which we'll get into. <laughs> in, in the subject, both episodes deal with some real world subject matter. Yeah. And some some sort of more realis- realism, uh, realistic villains, reali- more a little more realism to both sides in certain ways. It's grounded in reality, sort yes. of, in both of them. And it's... in one episode, that's great, <laughs> and it really makes it almost a perfect episode. And in one episode, it depressed me and creeped me out. <laughs> so let's start. Quick, please, let's get through this episode as quickly as possible. Uh, so we are dealing with episode six first of the Batman animated series, and that it, Liam is the Underdwellers, which uh, I the just so the people at home know, we were inspired to start this podcast based on the 25th anniversary of the Batman animated series, which happened uh, in 2017, and a lot of people were coming out ranking their favorite episodes of all times, coming out with their lists from from worst to best, and uh, we read a couple of them, and a lot of them had this episode, The Underdwellers, ranked really low. All, a lot of them, if not all of them, towards the bottom, if not the worst episode of yeah. the series. Um, so I was curious going in uh, because I like to be a contrarian I'm not going to lie a lot of times I enjoy mm-hmm. taking the opposite view of a lot of people uh, and reveling in the fact that yeah. I can appreciate things that other people can't take hey, Batman Last Jedi sucked <laughs> it really did um, Batman versus Superman the extended cut actually really cerebral and smart mm-hmm. um, you just are too dumb to understand <laughs> it if you, if you don't if you think it's a dumb movie uh, no I kid I kid uh, but but nonetheless, um, I was not at all impressed with this episode. It is creepy. It is um, so incredibly drawn in reality to a point where it's bad almost. Uh, it deals with stuff that I, quite frankly, whether I'm a child watching this cartoon or an adult watching this cartoon, don't want to think about when I'm trying to escape to watch a cartoon. Yeah, basically the the basic. We'll get right into the plot here. Oh, God. Um, our, our rankings and our, our just overall thoughts. Again, we're going to try to get through this one quickly. Uh, basically, there's a guy who lives in the sewer. He calls himself the Sewer King. He's super over the top. Uh, I believe the man's name is Michael Pataki. Played him. He did a lot of voice acting on cartoons in the '80s and '90s. Um, also, was in Rocky Four. Um, <laughs> And uh, the best Rocky. The best uh, Rocky. <laughs> maybe. The most American Rocky, so that makes it the best. Anyway, uh, just a super over-the-top uh, performance. Very Cobra Commander, G.I. Oh, right Joe. out of it. Yeah, Skeletor. Yes. Uh, 
Thundercats, anything you think just eighties cartoons and you're and you and you're on the right track. But Yeah, we were watching it and you were like, he is straight out of a G.I. Joe cartoon. And yeah. what not only his voice, but his character design also. He's dressed like a freaking pirate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really wacky. He has like sunglasses with one, <laughs> one uh, lens, lens missing. Out. Yeah. He has pet alligators. He has like thirty pet alligators that attack Batman throughout this episode, but <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so it's, I gave the plot a 3 out of 10. It involves this man, the, uh, the Sewer King, has, through nondescript means, kidnapped a bunch of children and has sort of indoctrinated them into... Silence! He refuses to let them speak. (laughs) He, uh, has him serve him. They do chores. They cook his food. They, it's, it's real they weird. They work in an underground field right. of some they're, kind. Like, there's a big point, point where one of the uh, the children who Batman comes across and ends up taking him to to Wayne Manor to care for him to try to get information out of him, like, hates the sun because he never sees it. Like, so it's, just, it's very, like, it's it draws on a lot of stuff. If you've ever read anything about a cult, Yep. It's real, real world, especially... Or child how, abduction, yes, or... anything that involves, like, the indoctrination of children. Again, that's a very real world subject. Yes. And <laughs> it's not what I want in the superhero <laughs> cartoons. I hated this. It made me uncomfortable. I just... So, again, it's like, I understand they were trying to tackle something a little more real, but this was not... This was not the subject... But- but I almost don't like I, I I wonder if they just sat down and they were like, "How can we involve an army of children in this um, that yeah. would that would I, like I don't know if that like if I don't know who backwards. there was who was this written to yeah. was this written for children to enjoy because there are children that are being saved and they kind of at some point like one of the the kid that Batman takes back to Wayne Manor he like is goofing around with Alfred, which is the only part of the episode by the way that yeah. I enjoyed uh, yeah. It, it, but the, the, he gets to save one of the other kids. He sort of like teams up with Batman. He plays a pseudo Robin in this episode right. towards the end. But I I don't know who this episode was written for. That's that's a great point. So anyway, let's uh, plot was three out of ten for me, which honestly feels generous now. <laughs> that, all three points I think are for the Alfred <laughs> subplot. He's yep. he's very funny. Uh, hashtag my Alfred Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. continues to shine yep. in sort of the bringing the light, the lightness to this creepy dark world. This, yeah, despite the fact that Alfred first establishes that, quote, he doesn't know anything about children, unquote, <laughs> oh, despite the fact that he b- both raised Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. But OK, <laughs> we're going to overlook that. Yeah, the, the Alfred, the Alfred side story, subplot, B story was was entertaining to say the least but i gave the plot a three out of ten just because that's and again that does feel generous because the rest of it was just a creepy mess <laughs> uh moving on uh, let's go to animation um briefly i thought the sewer king was animated incredibly well um i thought he looked straight he looked like an anime or a you know like a even like a, the gi gi joe cartoons from the 80s weren't animated super well but it, a lot of the times you know, if you had one character and all that was animated mm-hmm. was his his mouth. And Sewer King looked good as a character. Whether or not his character design works, I, I don't know or care to delve into. <laughs> um, and there were some there were some cool Batman parts I know that you probably want to talk about. 
Um, but I thought the kids looked – none of the kids had eyebrows, which was <laughs> super weird. I don't know if that's part of the cult that he yeah. shaves their eyes. Oh, like, I don't, I don't want to know. Let's but, nope. stop talking about it. Uh, uh, <laughs> but they all looked like they came from the new Batman adventures uh, to me. So Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. They went for a more streamlined, uh, sort of easier-to-draw style in the new Batman adventures. But, yeah, uh, animation I gave 5 out of 10. Uh, it's, it's not – terrible like you how said. much of that was for cape movement that a lot of that is hashtag cape movement it's time for <laughs> liam's cape movement corner um a lot of that every time almost every time batman shows up he looks cool and a lot of that is how his cape flows and moves around him so like i mean if you want to call it instead of cape movement if you want to call it just the batman looks cool points no we're keep we're All sticking right, with cape hashtag movement. cape movement um but yeah batman looks cool in this episode so yeah i give it a five out of ten it's 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 fine, but uh, I think you pretty much covered the the flaws of the episode as well. Certainly. Moving on now to music. Uh, music did nothing for this episode. I didn't think it took anything away. Um, I thought that the title card. I was actually had some hope based on the title card because the music from the title card was a little creepy, uh, kind of interesting. It reminded me a little bit of the last laugh intro. Where it's like, oh, this episode might be something interesting, but then it was just completely lost in the awkwardness and the creepiness of the episode. I gave it. A four out of ten yeah i went three out of ten it's just really nondescript and uh we talked about this a little bit in the pretty poison episode but this didn't have the strong plot or the strong voice acting to carry it over and we'll actually get into that in our second episode of the day that we're going to talk about here uh if the music is background or is downplayed and the voice acting or the overall plot or the animation if something else is spectacular you can kind of forgive it, but here you really probably could have used some really strong music. Yeah. Anything to distract you from this <laughs> man and his children army and whatever. Like, And it just wasn't there. So yeah, I went 3 out of 10 for the music. All right. Uh, we are breezing through this, thank God. Uh, right on to uh, voice acting. Um, I thought, uh, again, Alfred shines in this episode. Yeah. He's super over-the-top goofy. The first first introduction we get to him, he's listening to music and teasing Bruce about seeing leprechauns. <laughs> but uh, I think you pointed out, he, he laughs at Bruce for he, Bruce saying he saw a leprechaun. literally laughs at him, yes. It's, it, yeah, uh, good job, of course, by hashtag my Alfred. And... Uh, yeah, it's he. Outside of that, the the Sewer King voice, like I said, is voiced by a guy named Michael Pataki. He's so over the top. But you made a good point with that with his voice that if he hadn't been over the top, you felt like it would have been even more creepy. That's true. If he did a more quote unquote realistic uh, voice, yeah, it would have made my imagination <laughs> run even wilder than it already did. It's like you can kind of see this guy. He's doing a cartoon character right. voice. That, um, hopefully that was mandated by the yeah. network or something. So yeah, so he so his being a super silly over the top uh, cartoon character is actually a plus. Yeah, so I gave I gave the voice acting a five out of ten, uh, mostly because of him and Alfred. Um, yeah, I mean Brat- Batman's fine. Batman's always, I mean Batman's never any worse than fine. I find yeah. in this show, I uh, did have to, I did have to roll my eyes at the scene where the kid goes into Bruce's weapons room and picks up a gun, <laughs> and Bruce comes in and he's delivered like the the PSA line like children and guns do not mix you're ever like, ever, and you're like, 
where's the yo-jo like and yeah. knowing is half the battle like <laughs> i was waiting for that to come in and through there um I, however his his line at the end where he finally captures the sewer king and you can see the, just the rage in batman at that point and it adds a, a, another level to the psyche of batman if you will um you know he says I, you know i don't pass sentence um that's the job of the courts but i'm very close this time very very close you know so that that i thought was delivered well conroy's good in 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 batman always but that was that that to me gave this a five out of ten yeah that's that's about right so my my final score is is 16 out of 40 this is i will if i can help it i will never watch this episode again Like I like I am I, so with you. If I never, if the, can they just delete that? Don't include this on the Blu-rays, please. <laughs> yes, they have the remastered Blu-rays coming out uh, sometime later this year. I'm just like, just leave this one off. Yeah. I don't think anyone would notice. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone would complain. Uh, I gave it a total of a 15 out of 40. So this so far is our lowest ranked episode. I would I would struggle to find maybe like a I like I I. I shudder to think that there would be an episode ranked lower than this. Yeah, this is going to be tough to beat. I mean, this might be the, the king of crap mountain, so to speak. The sewer king of, of poop mountain here. Um, disgusted with myself. I know, that was um, pretty good. Of, uh, of crap mountain here. I just, it's, there's nothing, like, there's not a lot. Like you said, the best part is Alfred, like, two minutes, there's two minutes of Alfred doing physical comedy with with the kid. Right. Trying to get him to be proper and and use utensils and stuff. It's like that's not that's not enough to save it. Nope. And this is an episode where the grade, grading system very accurately <laughs> reflects how bad the episode, how it's, good or bad the episode is. It's bad. Trust me. It's real. If bad. you want some awkwardness for for twenty two minutes, check out so check out the Underdwellers. Yeah. Let's let's just let's get out. Please, of Please let's on. move to the next episode. So as we said, we're doing a supersized episode. We're moving on. The next episode in the uh, chronological order of Batman the Animated Series, Liam. I was I, I don't I don't want to say that this episode was at all uh, affected by watching the Underdwellers beforehand, <laughs> uh, but I gotta say, watching this compared to that was like watching Citizen Kane versus. You know, daddy daycare too, or something like that. Like you just the, the this episode just seems so refreshing. It was like taking a bath afterwards <laughs> and just like for your brain. I, I don't know. Um, this episode is fantastic. Uh, I, I think yeah. this is going to rank towards the top uh, of all of the episodes as far as the Batman animated series is concerned. Um, and uh, Liam POV is the next episode that we're covering. Uh, and I always remember thinking as a child, like, why did they name it that? And then, mm-hmm. of course, you, as an adult, you're watching it and it's, oh, because the, you have the different points of view from the the different cops. But it follows these, you know, it's it's Renee Montoya, it's the rookie. Uh, what's the rookie's name? Uh, Wilkes, I believe. Wilkes, yeah. They don't give him a first name. They don't flesh him out. He's a real Archie-looking guy. Yes. Uh, kind of looks like Archie from... Or like 1950s Jimmy Olsen. Like yeah. He's just missing the green suit with the red boat. That's a good call, too. Yeah, very, very redhead, weird... Mm-hmm. Oh, shucks. Yep. Wide-eyed rookie cop. Yep. Very, very stereotypical uh, character there. And then you have Bullock in there. Uh, you learn very quickly that they're actually under investigation from the police, uh, from a police lieutenant, internal investigations. Uh, and they're doing this interrogation along with Commissioner Gordon, who's there present, uh, about this bust that went wrong. And uh, it's a really, really fantastic episode. Uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, what did you think of the plot? What was your score? Anything that stood out to you? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 really good. Obviously, from the title POV, you sort of slowly get the story of this sort of uh, uh, sting operation that the Gotham City Police were putting on, sort of the sting operation gone wrong. And really all you know at first is that there's a fire and Batman was involved. And you find out that, okay, did Bull- did Harvey Bullock go in too early or or were Montoya and Wilkes late? And there's just little things like that that, you know, there's it's real if you've had a disagreement about how something went like a sheer a shared experience <laughs> with a friend yeah. and like if you're telling a story and they go well no that's not how it happened this is what happened like they were saying that they liked the underdwellers and that's right. <laughs> like, that's, that's a like, good no, batman that episode. What I said. no that is not what i said or true <laughs> right. right so there's you can see the sort of the the the, the dysfunctional family element of that in in the, sure. in the way that Montoya and Bullock speak to each other especially certainly um but you, you sort of see the different points of view the the rookie cop Wilkes has an encounter where he's almost run down by a car and then Batman saves him and takes on the thugs and, and it's fun to see his point of view is that you know Batman's throwing you know <laughs> throwing weapons that we see him use all the time like throwing stars and batarangs and grappling hooks but to this guy who's so wide-eyed and innocent, he thinks he's a monster. He he's shooting he's, lasers, right? He shoots a he shoots like a, a grappling hook and electrifies the rope, and he thinks he's shooting rays out of his hand, and he's throwing sparks from his hand. And so it's see so the idea of Batman as a more mythical feature figure in Gotham, and Certainly. even though he works with Gordon and works with sort of the top cops of the city, your sort of average beat cop not really knowing. Who bat like he's heard right. of him? He knows there's a, a Batman, but he's never seen him up close. And yeah, uh, that was really good. And then sort of a, an arc for for Renee Montoya, who uh, and we'll talk about this. She didn't. She's around a whole lot. Like she's in. Yep, like she's... when there are cops needed, when there's dialogue needed from cops, she's usually around. She talks yep. to Bullock. She talks to Gordon a lot. She you know she graduated to the new Batman adventure. She be, even becomes like a plainclothes, I guess, detective by that point. Yeah. Um, but as far as her actual character, we don't get to hear her point. Literally, it's funny the episode's called Point POV, yeah. but her point of view on things or her sort of view on Batman or how the city works. Certainly. And, and yeah, her, we her, get we get an episode later on with Har- uh, Bullet for Bullock where we it's the, Bull- Harvey Bullock is literally the main character of this story. Batman's yeah. sort of the side character, so we get a little bit more of that character fleshed out. We we've seen a lot of Harvey Bullock, and we see it. His character gets to be fleshed out. Commissioner Gordon's character sort of gets to be fleshed out, but we don't ever see beyond this episode. She's just kind of there. She adds some lines when they when there needs to be, but uh, it's cool to see this character used in this episode. Absolutely. Um, so she she did a really great job. So for for plot for me, I gave her an eight out of ten. Nice. I thought it was really really strong. Uh, there's uh, and we'll we'll get into some of the other episodes of why, but yeah, just as a plot, the idea of how you don't get to see that a lot of how the other cops, how how the other people view Batman. View, Certainly view the criminals of the city, view the methods, you know, that come along. And again, we talk about stuff that you don't want to talk about, uh, you know, real world stuff, the idea of, uh, you know, these cops are accused of being on the take of right. intentionally bumbling this sting operation. Uh, you know, things that you're, you're not going to get, they're not a lot of uh, cartoons, <laughs> especially for children, that are going to cover the idea of, uh, you know, police taking bribes or... Dirty cops. Right, dirty cops. You're not going to hear a lot about that. So the idea that yeah. this would delve that deeply into that and then 
despite you know Renee Renee Montoya and the other two are are suspended, uh, you know they they turn in their badges and guns, but she's still they kind of show she's still a good person. She yeah. still goes after. She, she wants sort, to solve. It's her case. It yeah, it's her case. She doesn't want. She's taken off the case. She's suspended, but she still goes to the docks to find these crooks and ends up helping Batman save the day. Yeah, uh, which is a which is a it's it's cool and like we said it, it was it's refreshing to kind of see. You know some of the other points of view, literally, as the episode is yeah. called. Yeah, yeah. So you gave it eight out of ten. I I actually gave this a perfect score. This is a ten wow. out of ten for plot for me. You just sound effect for when this happens. I I know something. Hey, I'm all about that. Love a good party horn. Um, so yeah, my my thoughts my thoughts on this. Uh, again, it's 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 hard not to compare this to the previous episode that we just <laughs> ripped apart, but. I mean, everything about this episode is good. The, you know, I was thinking at the end of the episode, they don't even show you this guy, the boss, whoever this is. He's sort of in the shadows. He's a guy wearing a monocle. They never give you a close-up of him. They don't. The, the point of that is that he's not the focal point of the episode. It's not about who the bad guy is. Right. This episode doesn't even have a ton of Batman in it. Yeah. Batman is sort of a side character. So it's about establishing you know, who these people are. You know, It, it does a good job. Uh, I think you pointed out that, that Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon doesn't have a ton of lines in this episode. He's sort of the the background figure in the interrogation scenes, but he's very effective. He's it shows adds some layers to him as you know he cares about uh, his cops. He's yeah. he's this job is his life. He cares about it. You know he's serious about it. This is his city. He wants to be effective here. It's not just a job for him. This is his life. He cares about his his cops like he would his own family. So um, I, I think for, for those reasons, along with the fact that it's. You know, it's hard to point out any flaws in this episode. I can't. No. I can't think of anything that doesn't. It, it, things are explained very well. It's a very simple story in that. You know, it's a. It's a. You know, a a, a sting operation set up by the police that is is trying to nab these gangsters. The gangsters are. Based on Bullock's, you know, idiocy of going in before his his backup arrives there, even though even if it was for a good reason, that's he, actually something. That plays into more of Bullock not trusting Batman. Because yep. the idea is, and it's made clear, Bullock goes in because he sees Batman. Right. And so, because in Bull- and in Bullock's brain, Batman's not on the up and up. There's right. something he, like, he doesn't, he doesn't buy what Batman's selling. Right. And he's legitimately, so the idea, and that actually comes up later when the lieutenant who's interrogating the cops accuses them of, you know, of lying. Like, well, one of you must be lying. And, and, and Montoya has a line where she says something along the lines of, well, I'm sure Bullock had good reasons for going in right. before we got there, but right. that doesn't change, you know, and then she goes from there, but it's, it's a very little thing, but it's something that everyone, everyone's justifications, Bullock didn't go in because he wanted to be a hero right. or because he's an idiot or he's just a bum. He's not, a, he's not chief O'Hara. Right. He's, he's not a bumbling fool. Like he thinks this darn Batman's going to muck everything up right. for me. I got to get in there. The real cops got to get in there right. and do the cop work. Right. I can't let this freak in a bat mask <laughs> mess up my sting operation or our sting operation. Yeah. It's, it, that's that's a very good point. I didn't even think of that. That's um, that's 
I mean, that adds adds to the layers of it. So that coupled with the fact that it's a it's a Montoya Montoya centric episode, um, we get to learn some stuff about a character that we don't know a whole lot about, and it uses Batman effectively. It, it's still his show. He's still the person that kicks butt at the end, but Montoya actually helps him too. Montoya is the one that helps kind of foil the the boss, the whoever the the guy with the monocle is at the, at the end. So uh, for that reason, uh, and just because it was, it's a great episode. I, I gave the gave the pot ten out of ten. Nice. All right, so let's uh, let's go on to to animation. Um, so uh, I thought there was. This episode, compared to the last several that we've gone over, I feel like inconsistent was what we said for the last several. Mm-hmm. Last Laugh was very inconsistent. Underdwellers was very inconsistent. Um, p- Pretty Poison, super inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, this episode uh, comes pretty close to being perfect. Uh, I gave animation 9 out of 10 on this episode. Um, there's an early scene where they're in the cop car that was a little, eh, I'm not so sure about this. Um, but this episode overall, super, super effective with the animation. Um, you know, the, the scene where, uh, the rookies talking about Batman, you know, throwing sparks out of his hands where Batman yeah. throws the, the, the spikes that kind of pop the tire was super cool. Uh, any of the scenes with Batman in it, like you mentioned, there's a scene, uh, where they're in the warehouse, the warehouse is on fire and, Batman's down on the ground. I think he just has taken down one of the villains, and he turns around and looks, and it's just his the whites of his eyes, and his you know his, mm-hmm. his face is in the shadows. That whole scene too, uh, with the fire going on, the coloration in that scene is super cool because it could look really really bad because yeah. they're they're kind of weird colors. It's red. There's a lot of reds, a lot of purples. We look kind of bizarre because that isn't necessarily how we would look in in real life, but right. it's really effective. It's great comic book. Like it's very comic booky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they do that coloration a lot in comic books and do it. It works so effectively. And uh, I have an extra point that I'll give out later that we'll that we'll talk about another reason why I love the animation. But um, uh, when uh, Batman drives the forklift into the side yes. of the boat is great. Um, there's a scene where where Montoya before uh, after Batman is captured by the villain, she comes in, she's peering through the window, and the glass is sort of discolored, but she looks through it. It's man, it was just super good. She puts her hands up against the window. Uh, for that reason, very many others. The consistency of this episode, I gave it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I also went nine out of ten. It's uh, for all the stuff you mentioned. I can't add a ton, but I will say the the interrogation scene. It's it's you don't see it's this kind of a dark room. There's a light. There's one lamp that sort of a, a, there's a big circle of light where the, there's the three chairs and yep. the cops are sitting being interrogated and then Gordon and the lieutenant are, are sitting there asking the questions where really the lieutenant is. Gordon Gordon doesn't say a whole lot. But, right. But, uh, and it's, again, there's, you know, the light kind of moves a little bit. Like, there's a spot where Gordon stands up in front of the light so he's a little, his, he's darker. There's more shadow on his face. Yeah. There's a lot of minor things like that that, again... Yeah, there's a lot of walking in and out of the shadows for yes, those guys, too. That's, and to me, and we've said that before, and it's worth repeating, is, like, that's one among other things, and some of that is the fluidity of the animation itself, mm-hmm. but those little details are what really separates this from the Spider-Mans yep. and, and some of the, the non... 
uh, some of the other superhero cartoons. Just, yeah, the, the, the cartoons of the day. Even cartoons in general, not cartoons just superhero. General, right. You know, think of you know, think of something like the Ghostbusters cartoon, or you know, some of the funnier cartoons of the day. Like, Certainly, just that just that little bit of detail, and it adds a little bit of mo- more atmosphere. Agreed. Um, and this this show is is uh, is to a lot of extent that atmosphere that sort of. You know, Gotham City is a dirty city. I don't know if we mentioned it in the uh, in the last laugh episode, but the like the harbor is like brown, <laughs> like it's grimy. It's so a gross. gross city. It's a gross right. city, and they the getting you know little things like that or how people look or like you talked about sort of the windows sort of being a little little grimy and stuff like just little details like that yeah. that nobody would blame them if they left it out, but yep. they went that extra mile to put it in, and you can tell. Yeah, that's why this show and the this this DC animated universe is the gold standard. Agreed. Like that's why we love that. That's why we're doing this show. Is like because there's stuff you can go back and watch that you maybe didn't notice, but when you look for those those there's every time you watch it, you'll find a new detail that you didn't notice before. Of them putting in that that little bit extra work. Yep. That made it. You know, in addition to the you know sort of the general animation and the voice acting and the music. There's those little extra details. They they went the extra mile to to make it special. Even the even the part where the the criminal is trying to get into Batman's utility belt and the pink the pink <laughs> dye sprays on his yeah. face and his p- face is pink for the rest mm-hmm. of the episode. Like super super funny, super little details like that 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 work out really well. Uh, so you gave it a, a nine out of ten as well. Absolutely awesome. All right, so moving on to music and uh, so music is interesting because I think you have an interesting take on this. Um, to me, the music didn't stand out too much, but I think you think it works in the in the favor of these the episode, and I tend to agree with you. Yeah, uh, my basic thought, and we we've talked about this in past episodes. Sometimes the music can just kind of blend in, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really add, it doesn't really take away, and sometimes that's a detriment to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a stronger a stronger score may have. Uh, you know, musical score may have helped a show like The Underdwellers, which we pretty much hated. Oof. Like, I don't uh, know. I don't know if there's anything that can I, help that's The Underdwellers. Fair, but I mean, there are, there's, <laughs> I, I there know are what episodes you mean. that are some are completely carried. There's, uh, you know, there's an episode down the road, The Forgotten, that we're going to get to, yep. which the music. I mean, that story isn't necessarily the greatest story. The animation may not even be great. You know, we'll find out when we get there. But right. I will remember those themes. Yeah, the like harmonica the, from the, that. Yes, the, the harmonica the, the from the that Western, episode, like the Western rock themes yep. that play throughout that episode are outstanding. But in this case, the episode is so character driven. Yeah, it is so focused on Renee Montoya and, to a lesser extent, Bullock, and and getting across their who who they who these people are. It's it's a very character focused episode. So in this case, the music kind of pulling back. And allowing these actors to act and yeah. to get across the emotions that these characters are feeling, and to let the the animation show you what they're feeling. Right. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the music it's better. I think if the music is a little bit in the background, which Agreed. is maybe not something I would have thought of if I just watched the shows. Again, that's sort of when I, my score is four out of ten because it didn't, like I said, it didn't add and didn't mm-hmm. really take away from the show. But that's again. I think it's almost to its it's to the advantage. The animation stood out more to me. The plot, the voice acting, all stood out. Those scores are all going to be higher for me, right? Because the music kind of pulled back. So, and, and I'm I'm in agreement with you there. I, I gave music five out of ten, and that's not 
like you like we've said before in past episodes the scores that the overall score isn't always indication for how we liked the episode or right. whether or not the episode is is great it's just the average of what the episode ends up being <laughs> i think in this case the music score isn't isn't a knock on it it's not my my score of five out of ten isn't a knock on it there wasn't a need for the music in this episode so i put it right in the middle there's there's certainly some added at the end for the the scene with montoya and batman um there's a little bit in the in the scene with the fire uh, in the warehouse but it's it's not needed for the drama for for the uh for the voice acting like you said it's it's not needed in this episode. It's not needed to carry the episode where it did in The Last Laugh, where it's sure. a, go- a goofy storyline. This is a serious episode. This is um, you know grounded in realism and talking about some pretty heavy stuff and uh, wants the focus to be on the characters, their motivations, their feelings, their reactions, and not kind of take you out of that, which I think the the director and the, and the writer of this, this episode definitely looked at and said, hey, we don't need this overarching score mm-hmm. this episode. So Agreed. I'm with you there. All right. Uh, let's bring it on home with voice acting. Uh, I gave voice acting in this episode uh, a 9 out of 10. Um, I thought Bullock, uh, Robert Costanza's Harvey Bullock, uh, again, we talked about him in the very first episode, uh, on leather wings. Uh, he's featured in the very first scene. He, his story is the story that comes out first because he was the one that was there at the beginning. Um, and, uh, we talked about as we were watching it, that it was, it was good that they didn't, that he, he kind of is, is good in small doses when he's, his voice is so larger than life. And so, uh, over the top and so charismatic. This, I think, sometimes that can be a detriment to to the episode itself because then you become focused on this character, sure. his um, his goofiness. I think in the case of the last episode in mm-hmm. the Underdwellers, uh, we talked about the the Sewer King's voice being so over the top and so Saturday morning cartoonish that I, I think that that can that same thing can happen with Bullock. So I, I think that the the amount that they use Bullock in this episode is great. Um, I thought that uh, the the back and forth in the interrogation between Bob Hastings, uh, Jim Gordon, and the uh, John, I believe his name is John Con, not Constantine, but Considine, mm-hmm. uh, his lieutenant Hackle, the guy that's the the uh, internal affairs guy. Their back and forth is super strong. Uh, they have a nice back and forth dialogue about whether you know Gordon wants to wants to not necessarily do things by the book because he trusts his people. You know, uh, Hackle wants to you know, squeeze these guys cause he thinks that they're, they're dirty cops. So it's uh it's a good back and forth. There's very minimal Batman uh, dialogue. I, I think that works to this episode's favor. Sure. It didn't need a whole lot of Batman to carry it, um, but he's effective where he needs to be. In fact, I don't think other than look out, I don't think he says anything in the, in the scene with the, in the warehouse fire. I think there's, yeah, he yeah he speaks very little until the the final act when he's sort of, uh, you know, pressing the thugs while he's still tied up, asking them where their boss is, and then he he speaks to Montoya a little bit. But yeah, Batman probably says less than fifty words in this episode, and and that's good, it's right? Good and that's fine. And sometimes you need him to be the the more the silent character, or you just or you don't need him to be the guy who carries the lion's share. And as we've mentioned with the plot and everything, this story is really not his story. He's obviously he's a huge part of it. It's right. it's still Batman the animated series, but he you know he's sort of a, he has a part to play, and his part is to 
just sort of be a backup character in this. But certainly, uh, what did uh, what did your score end up being for the voice acting? So for voice acting, I gave it a nine out of ten. It's it's really great. Yep. Uh, Ingrid Alio, I may be butchering that last name pronunciation, <laughs> but as uh, Renee Montoya, she's phenomenal in this episode. Yeah. She's great, and you again, you get across this idea of her being. Again, you don't necessarily know her that well, but you know she's tough, and she's even when she. It might be better for her to throw Bullock under the bus and say, "Yeah, no, he just you know he's a he's a he's loose an cannon, <laughs> he's an idiot." Right. And even when he's almost Bullock's kind of willing to throw her and and the rookie cop Wilkes under the bus and say, "Hey, they they were late. I had to go in because right. Batman got, and Batman showed up and they were late. I had no choice." And she, but she's still sort of willing to to go to bat for Bullock when yep. Bullock's getting. Uh, sort of the the heat turned on to him, and uh, she's so yeah. Again, uh, Miss Ingrid. She's very subtle too. It's not she doesn't have a lot of emotion in her voice. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle. She's very cool, calm, and collected, which I think adds to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, which what why I think it would have been interesting to see that character fleshed out a little bit. But she's very, you know, very almost monotone in some some scenes um even when she feels like she's being grilled i mean she raises her voice a little bit when they start uh, when they start giving the the rookie a, a hard time but you know she 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 doesn't have to she she speaks softly and carries a big stick you yeah know? she's she's very confident like she's yep she her her thought process and you can see that and that's why the, the animation and the voice acting are such a great pair in this episode is yep you see she's very confident she she believes i have the truth on my side right so i don't have to lie or throw bullock under the bus or do anything i can just tell them what happened and things you know because that's what happened this right. is the right thing it's it's a very subtle thing and uh, Bob Hastings is uh, Commissioner Gordon. He doesn't say a ton in this episode. Right. He sort of admonishes the lieutenant a couple times during the interrogation, um, and sort of there's a part where again where he's calling where the lieutenant's calling them all liars, and and Gordon gets in his face and tells him, you know, nobody's calling anyone a liar, and they're my my officers maybe a lot of things, but they're not liars. Yeah. And that was super cool. That was awesome. And then at the end, when the the lieutenant's still trying to be a you know. Uh, a, a jerk and it's like hey you were suspended this isn't your collar and right. all this sort of silly i guess police red tape talk and right. gordon grabs him by his lapels and <laughs> tells him to get out of his face and and it's it's very clear at the end that gordon is still the boss yep and it and it works to sort of establishing how gordon views justice yep how he views the law in that there's some gray yeah and doesn't that, it's not always black and white that's why he works with batman and there's some so, of those guys, yeah. like, you know, it's funny because you, you, you kind of get the sense that Bullock may not be a a, a clean cop all yes. the way. He's a little bit dirty and other other portrayals, that he, whether it's in the comics or on the Gotham TV show, he's, he's a dirty cop too. He's just not as bad as the other guys. He has a sense of right and wrong, but it's just right. not as defined maybe as, as Gordon's. But, you know, it, in that, you see that, Gordon recognizes there's gray in how the justice is served. Absolutely, and so I, so Bob Hastings, yeah, again, not not a big part to play, kind of like the Batman role in this episode, but yep. uh, the part he plays is is important, and and again adds the gravity and letting you know, and that's sort of a, I think a rare thing if you look at this as something for children, like that's that's a <laughs> rare to to tell a child that basically 
it's okay to maybe not do things by the book if you really believe that the right thing. If like sometimes you have to go off off right. the ranch if you believe that the right thing is not being done otherwise. That's, like that's a very that's not something you're going to hear in a lot of children's cartoons. Children and guns do not mix right. ever. That's right. what you're going to hear is a lot. Follow the rules. Follow you know. Do everything by the book. Listen to your teachers. Listen to your listen to the cops. Listen to the Right. Whatever. It's like, and again, for the most part, that's listen to authority. Listen right. to, for the most part, that's the right thing to teach children, especially when they're young children. But the idea of sort of the idea of nuance of teaching yeah. a nuance of giving a nuanced message at yep. the end that yes, these people kind of bungled some stuff. They sort of they stumbled along the way, but they still got to that finish line, right. and that's what matters. Like yep. that's a very rare thing especially in a children's cartoon. <laughs> uh, that, and again, that speaks to some real-world stuff that worked. Yes, in um, this episode versus what, what was in sewer, the, the Underdwellers episode. Yeah, so I think for a total here, my score is 30 out of 40. 30 out of 40, nice. One of the highest-ranked episodes we've had so far for me. Uh, what about you? So my overall score is 33 out of 40, but I have a bonus point to assign uh, I mentioned it, sort of alluded to it before, but I I love this episode because as I was as we were watching it, um, so many things stuck out in this episode as being influenced by the old Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. Um, I think Montoya's character design, the way that they drew her face, the way that they subtly, um, I, I feel like Lois Lane in that in the Max Fleischer episodes yeah. never had a nose. Uh, very like wasn't like you, you can see her nostrils, but you can't really see the outline of her nose. Her character design mirrored that very similarly. Mm-hmm. Some of the facial reactions, some of the things that um, that different characters did, the shadows and stuff, just mirrored it so well. The and, look, the look of all the gangsters, yeah. In the episode you know a lot of guys in in zoot suits with yep. the hats and little pencil thin mustaches yep. and just the way that some of the characters moved and and the way that the shadow I, I feel like when i think of the max fleischer cartoons i think of a lot of backlighting i don't know mm-hmm. why that is but there was a lot of lighting from the back and shadows in the front and that's what this whole episode reminded me of so uh those max fleischer cartoons so if you guys haven't seen them be sure to check them out i'm sure they're on youtube some um, of them i don't know if all of them are some of them are in public domain yeah like so you can find them you know, if you want to, you can go to like a dollar, there's like dollar bin DVDs. You'll find them in like a cartoon right. mega pack DVDs with like old Mighty Mouse cartoons and they're other worth, stuff. They're worth a pickup because, I mean, that's what inspi- a lot of the inspiration for Batman the Animated Series came from was these these Fleischer cartoons. Um, so, I'm A plus on that. Bruce Tim and, and the animators of this episode get, get an A plus from that. So, add an extra point. So, that brought my, my total up to 34 out of 40. So, my highest ranked episode thus far of the series. So, uh, great episode. POV, go check it out. Underdwellers, burn it. Burn it. Burn it down. Burn it down to the ground. All right, guys. Uh, so, we are just about out of time. Uh, please make sure to go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we would love if you gave us a five star review, that would help us out immensely. Uh, we would also love for you to follow us on Twitter. We are at 
at DCAU Review on Twitter. Go check that out. Liam runs the Twitter page. Tweet at him. Tweet your thoughts. What do you think? Did you have a differing opinion of the Underdwellers? Did you agree with us? Was there more creepy stuff that we missed? Uh, feel free to tweet us and let us know. Uh, what about POV? How did you think of that? What did you think of the episode overall? Was there anything? Are we, are we seeing this through the wrong lens because we watched it right after watching Underdwellers? Uh, tweet at us. If we missed some things or you felt like we overlooked some, some deficiencies this episode has, we'd love to hear from you. Um, also, make sure you like us on Facebook. We are at DCAU Review, facebook.com slash DCAU Review. So with that said, thanks for tuning into this supersized episode. Until next time, I'm Cal. I'm Liam. See you later. Bye-bye.